Hello, and welcome to the Built On Air podcast. Built On Air is a regular podcast where we talk with everyday people and learn about the amazing things they are doing with Airtable. Today's podcast is sponsored by OpenSide, the leading solutions provider for Airtable customers. Check out OpenSide.com to learn more about their products and services that can take your Airtable usage to the next level. Use promo code BUILTONAIR to receive $20 towards any product purchase. In today's episode, we speak with Carl Hughes, startup enthusiast and software engineer. After Carl started speaking at conferences in 2017, he noticed how difficult it was to find a good resource on applying to and tracking the dates of the many speaking opportunities that come up each year. Thinking this might be a gap that he could fill with his experience in tech, he set off to build CFP land. CFP stands for Call for Proposal. When an event is scheduled, a call for proposal goes out to invite speakers to apply. CFP land catalogs data from hundreds of events worldwide for conference speakers to access in one place. In his own words, Carl has long been an advocate for building digital products with off-the-shelf tools. So Airtable was an obvious choice for the first iteration of CFP land. In today's episode, he shows us how he manages the back end of CFP land in Airtable and blends in his own programming skills to create one sleek, smooth functioning site. Check out the show notes for links to CFP land as well as Carl's blog. Hi, Carl. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Built On Air. Hey, Holly. It's great to be here. Excellent. So you are big into conferences, and (laughs) I am so excited to learn more about this. Maybe just before we get into it, maybe just a little bit like uh, who you are, what you do, your elevator. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll give you the the 30-second pitch. So uh, I'm a software engineer for the most part. I've worked at um, small, early-stage tech startups for the last eight years or so. Uh, And then two years ago, I started getting into uh, speaking at conferences. So I'd been to a few conferences. I knew, you know, roughly that there was a way you could be the one on stage um, and so I was just started talking to other speakers and figuring out like what it is you do to get into that that uh, list. And so what I realized is there's this whole process called a call for proposals or a CFP. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the speakers who go around to tech conferences, they basically just figure out when all the CFPs for the conferences they want to go to open and close, and they'll go apply to them throughout the, the year. So uh, I, as I started wanting to speak, I realized I have to like start building my own list of conferences with their CFPs and and making sure I know that the dates don't overlap or conflict or whatever. And uh, as you apply to, or as I apply to a lot of conferences, I realize this starts to get harder and harder. So uh, eventually, like a lot of problems that I face, I built myself an air table and uh, was solving the problem that way for a while. And it was really great. And it still is great. But then I uh, realized that other people also wanted to like have the same problem solved for them. So there were other speakers out there who wanted to know when all the CFPs for all these hundreds of conferences would be closing and make sure they got their applications in on time. So I turned it into an Airtable with an email list. So you could sign up and every week I would email you out automatically all the conferences that are closing. Uh, and that still exists. So that's what CFP land is today for the most part. Uh, and then since then, I've gone on to build some pro features for uh, a few users who are paying now that uh, get kind of access to more conferences and more data and um, have the ability to save and get extra alerts and reminders for the conferences they really don't want to miss. And so it's kind of a niche product. I mean, there's not tons of conference speakers, tech conference speakers out there in the world, but it's really fun because it's something that I would do for myself anyway. So, you know, building it for myself and a few other people is still fun. 
Absolutely. No, that's super exciting. And you definitely found something that there was a hole to fill and you filled it for yourself and then other people were interested too. So that's super exciting. So how did you get into like speaking at conferences? What, uh, and what do you speak about? Yeah. So uh, being a software engineer, a lot of my talks, especially early on, were very technical, um, like uh, things about uh, testing distributed software systems or um, Docker is one that I've given a lot of talks on, specific uh, PHP and Node frameworks and things like that I've done. And uh, lately, the last year or so, I've been trying to kind of do more higher level leadership talks. And so I've gotten to do a couple of those as well around what's like managing a team of a small startup and things like that. So it's a wide variety of topics. Um, I think one of the things I've realized about myself is that I like a lot of different things. So it's hard for me to just stay focused on one really tiny, narrow niche like some engineers do. So I'm always exploring new things and learning. And actually speaking at conferences is a great way to force yourself to learn something because when you get that conference talk accepted, you've really got to go hit the books because if you don't know it upright and downright, uh, somebody's going to call you out on it. So uh, that's also a motivation to, to force myself to learn new things. Yeah, absolutely. So were you nervous the first time or do you get nervous ever? Oh yeah, I still do. I mean, <laughs> I, I think there are some speakers probably. I've, I've So for CFP land, I've gotten to interview about 50 different speakers for the blog. So every week I post a new uh, speaker interview. And the fun thing about that is that you hear the wide range of speakers and their natural abilities. Some of them are on this end where they feel no pain when they go speak and it's just like a thrill for them. And then there's the people on the other end who are just deathly afraid that they overcome it. And that's the big draw for them is overcoming the fear. I ride somewhere in the middle. I don't mind speaking, but at the same time, with a, a bigger conference where like the lights are on you and the audience is dark, it's nerve wracking. And so uh, it's fun. You learn to embrace it. You learn to just like, I don't know, deal with it. It's a good challenge, but it is, it is challenging. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Do you have like a, like a routine that you go through before speaking? It's funny. I always ask all the people I interview that do <laughs> they have a, like a pre-conference or a pre-talk uh, routine because a lot of speakers are kind of, maybe not superstitious, but they're at least like, they know that there are certain things they need to do to get themselves mentally ready to succeed at this. And so um, for myself personally, I uh, have a couple things. I'll go outside and walk around. Uh, so uh, just get myself like, uh, if I'm just sitting too much, like at a conference and it's sort of like, I feel like my blood pools in my feet and I know there's nothing in my brain. So I got to move around. Uh, gotta, I, I usually try to have a conversation with two or three people right before so that I get my I think it's maybe my vocal cords warmed up and my like ability to talk and not lose it completely up. <laughs> and then um, as I get closer, I try to just make sure that I'm, I'm sort of know what my first opening line is because a lot of times if you can get past that opening line, uh, it all gets, goes downhill from there. It's a little easier and easier. Yeah. Uh, I've heard other speakers that go into the bathroom and beat on their chest and like do big power poses. So there, there's all sorts of things you can do depending on what your style is. Oh my gosh. No, that's, that's awesome. And I, I envy you because I would be terrified, I think, to get up there and do that. So that's awesome. It's just like leading a podcast. You're just doing it in front of a stage of people. I mean, there's I people guess. out there watching. <laughs> I still get nervous doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, that's super cool. Um, so what was the first conference you spoke at? Ooh, um, I think the first one was uh, called API Strategy and Practice. It's a um, uh, community event sponsored by the Linux Foundation out in, and this one was in Portland, Oregon. They do several events throughout the year. Uh, and I was speaking on, this was one of my testing talks. So uh, one thing I found was 
conference at a lot of conferences they accept a lot of talks about testing because I think a lot of developers don't want to talk about testing because it's kind of a, it can be a boring topic. Um, uh, you know, it's all subjective, but I really enjoy it. And I think it's fun to like get, it seems like everybody does it differently. And so yeah. hearing not only for getting to talk about how I've done it, but then hearing from the audience how they've done it has always been really fun to me. Awesome. No, that's super cool. So with Airtable, did you just dive right into building CFP land with that? Or did you try uh, other iterations with other apps first? Good question. Yeah. So I, when I started out, because I was just keeping all these conferences for myself, it mm-hmm. didn't matter what I built it in. So, you know, it, it was like, do I want Airtable or spreadsheet? I generally choose Airtable over the spreadsheets these days. So I, I like Airtable because it let me have, um, let's say it's one sheet or one table for, um, the conferences and the other one will be the subject matter or the location. And so that way I can join this data together and keep it a little better organized. Mm-hmm. So I like Airtable. Um, it's using that. It's nice because when you build an Airtable, you're basically getting a backend and admin interface for free out of the, the product. And so that's a huge draw. And so initially when I was just doing it myself, it was just an Airtable. Then eventually I built sort of a front end, which is just really simple. I just pulled all the data from Airtable and displayed it on a web page just to show people that here's the conferences you're going to get. And the email every week would basically just pull that same data and send it out. Uh, and now um, I've been running CFP land for about a year and I've sort of iterated on top of that. Now I have like a an actual API on top of Airtable. So Airtable is the data layer. My application is sitting right here and then there's the front end. So um, Airtable goes through my application. My application will cache Airtable to make sure that it you know, isn't hitting, making too many requests on their API and kind of make it a little more efficient um, for mm-hmm. our use case. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, I'm excited to hear more about um, the hybrid approach that you have for your database. That's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, well, what's, you know, Airtable is great for storing a lot of things, but some things it's not, I, I just struggle with it more. I think like storing user accounts can be tricky in Airtable because then you got to figure out what to do with passwords. And I know people do it, but um, I, I just chose in this project, like once I built user accounts, I said, okay, well, I'll start using a real database for that. And I'll use Airtable for all the other data that's more a little more static. So there's good ways to hybrid approach it, especially because Airtable's API is so powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely, well, I'm excited to dive into that in the screen yeah. Yeah, yeah. Session a bit, for sure. Um, have you found anything super challenging about making Airtable work for your use case? Um, not super challenging. I mean, the other thing that I knew about CFP land as I was building it and still today is that there's never going to be a massive volume of users. So I'm never gonna have to worry about the Facebook level scale. And that's true of a lot of small business apps. It's just like, we have a few thousand users a month. And that's all I'm ever going to have because there's only a few thousand speakers who are going looking for CFPs every month. So uh, the, the reality is I knew this was a small market. So I knew I wasn't gonna run into scalability issues, which Airtable will scale to a certain extent, but at some point you'll make too many requests on their API and they'll start to rate limit you. So being aware that that wasn't going to be a problem, I wasn't too worried about it. Uh, the the other thing that um, is a little more challenging is data privacy or security. So that's again where having user accounts be in my own API and then the more public data be in Airtable was a little easier. Absolutely. And so is your um, user base, are they mostly all in like the technology industry as well? Or do you have all sorts of different conferences? Yeah, at this point, CFP land is focused on technology conferences. So it's a wide range of programming languages and sort of sub-disciplines. But um, I haven't broken it out into like, say, healthcare conferences or education conferences, because I don't know those markets as well. And 
I really want to keep the project as narrow as possible. I think um, because it's a side project, it's not my full-time job. I don't want to attempt to conquer the market of conferences because there's, there's other tools to do that. Um, but I think that there's certainly like a niche area where this tool can really help a few people. And that's, that's kind of fun to work in. Absolutely. And do you have any plans for um, expanding upon CFP land or? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm constantly, what's fun is once you build a product and you have a few users, even if it's just a few dozen, you can start to talk to them and ask them what they want more of or less of, or what things should I change about the product? And so uh, I have a bunch of automated emails that go out and request for, you know, what ideas do you have to improve CFP land? And I get a ton of requests that way. I also get, um, I've been doing some user interviews lately to build some, possibly some team features. So yes. one thing I realized as I got into speaking was that there are actually some organizations that have whole teams of developers dedicated to speaking at conferences. And they oh, wow. do it for like marketing purposes and things like that. So if you're a company like uh, SendGrid, they sell a, a tool to developers, and so it's really important for them to have lots of people out of conferences speaking pretty frequently. And so I'm starting to listen to some of my users who were in that space already and just hearing if there's a way that CFP land could maybe work for them to help manage CFPs across multiple people. Um, and, and I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It's Mostly it's a battle of me having enough time to work on it, but it is on my tentative roadmap for 2020. <laughs> awesome. And um, are you using Airtable for anything besides CFP land or anything? <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, my main job, I just kicked off a hiring process this week and we, um, we use Airtable to track applicants, to track um, the interviews that we've had and how they went, all the notes. And what's great about it is, uh, you know, you can kind of customize it to work for whatever your process and flow is. So a lot of tools for applicant tracking force you into one way or sort of like few set ways of moving applicants to the funnel, but the reality is people jump all around it. Nice. So Airtable is really nice because it's so flexible. And then I can give my team um, access rights to just view it so they don't get maybe to edit all the candidates, but um, I'll set up the candidates and then they can view to see who's in the process where, and they can maybe add comments to those records to uh, ask questions and things like that. So it's fun because it's also collaborative, which is really important and useful for, um, for tracking anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's great. I, I'm in the, the same boat. We use Airtable for everything at my yeah. <laughs> job. It's crazy. Yeah, that's super cool. Back to like just conferences a little bit. I just am interested in your opinion of what makes a good presentation. Yeah. So I know th this is another question that every speaker you talk to will give you a different answer. And right. what's been really fun about interviewing all these speakers for the blog has been that um, they there's a wide range. Some of them say they don't practice much at all. They just like kind of wing it. They just know the topic really well and they just kind of make it up on the fly. And then some say they practice, 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 and they have it almost memorized, like right at the edge of memorization. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole range of speakers that have different opinions. Um, it, for me personally, when watching a talk, people who can tell a story and weave it throughout uh, something that I learn in the end, um, that's always the most fun. So there's this guy, his name's Nicholas Means. He's often cited as one of the more fun developer tech conference speakers you can run into because mm -hmm. he tells these really intricate engineering stories in a way that just captivates you. And it's hard to do that. That's a, that is a skill that I do not have yet that I would love to build. So I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm always very impressed when somebody can actually captivate your attention at a conference like that. 
Yeah. It, Somebody, I just thought of something that uh, a speaker I interviewed recently had mentioned was like that the best speakers are actually, um, they're not just informing you or sort of teaching you a topic. They are telling a story and weaving it in and they are making it perfect to the audience too and that's really hard to do as well so you're right those people that can sort of elevate those talks beyond just teaching and into experiences really yeah. impressive exactly and do you do you track any ideas like that in your air table base like not just the conferences you want to speak at but like the things that you want to touch on or say or talk yeah, about that's a good question you know i have not i, I don't um so i do have a way of tracking my uh, talk ideas and moving them through a process. I use Trello for that, but I could use Airtable for it. Um, I think I started maybe using Trello for that before I got into Airtable or something like that. And so it, it just timing didn't have them, haven't transferred that stuff over yet. Yeah. But I think you could definitely do it in Airtable. I mean, Airtable has a similar idea of columns and moving things over. And so um, there's no reason not to. It's just, I, I love Trello too. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't I haven't played with Trello a whole lot, but I've never been a fan of the of a Kanban. I've heard people say Kanban or Kanban. I'm not sure. Whatever. What yeah, is. I don't know either. But no, I just I mean the flexibility is awesome. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. All right. Well, I am excited to dive into uh, CFP land and see what you've got here. And yeah. I'm excited to hear about how 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 you mixed the API or created your own API with Airtable. I mean, yeah. super cool, super interesting. <laughs> sure, happy to do that. All right, cool. So this is the landing page for CFP land. The idea is with the whole project, like I wanna help inspire more speakers um, or people who are out there in the audience get onto the stage. So uh, I wanna inspire more people to become speakers. And so the sort of big call to action is sign up for the weekly newsletter where I'm gonna tell you all the opportunities that you have to speak in the next few months. And so, um, this is all just a pretty straight static HTML landing page. Down here, it's got um, some, uh, just basically a selection of the first several conferences that are, have open CFPs right now. Mm -hmm. um, these are the ones closing in the shortest amount of time, so closing soonest. So a lot of these are closing today. And so if you wanted to submit, these would be the ones you really need to get on right now. And it'll tell you, like, are there any perks offered to speakers? So, for example, this one offers you travel and hotel. So I go collect that data every week. Um, it'll tell you the topic. So this one's a mobile conference. So it's probably something around iOS or Android. Um, and then it'll tell you uh, the location, obviously, because you'll need to know that. Now, this is for non-logged-in users. This is kind of what you see. Once you actually log in, um, you can get a little more functionality out of the site. So you create an account and now you can save conferences that you're interested in speaking at. You wanna make sure like, maybe I'm not gonna apply right now, but I wanna get reminded before this thing closes. So when you click saved, it's gonna say this conference has been saved and you get reminders 21, seven and three days before it closes. So that's all stuff that I've built on top of Airtable um, to kind of add extra functionality to what Airtable gives you by default. You can also track the conferences that you've applied for and um, been rejected at and actually been accepted to speak at. And so the goal here would be I can kind of keep track of uh, my acceptances over time or the rejections I've gotten over time um, so I can improve as a speaker uh, next year. When this conference comes around, I can be like, oh, last year I got rejected, maybe this year I can get it. <laughs> Um, so this is some of the stuff and all this here that you're looking at is in Gatsby. So Gatsby is a front end, um, it's, it's a, 
it's a static site generator built on React. I'm going to talk super technical, and if you don't understand any of this, you know, watchers, then just forgive me, and you can ignore out for this moment. But uh, Gatsby is a static site generator built in React, and it basically will go grab all my conference data and uh, display it as plain HTML so that search engines can read it and all that good stuff. Now, when you're logged in, though, you're actually getting data from the API. So if you went into the Chrome Inspector, you could see those API calls being made, and they're actually going to my server, not Airtable server, because my server in the middle is going to cache requests from Airtable. So that makes sure that if a lot of users do happen to be using the site at the same time, they're not going to run into any rate limit issues. Plus, it just lowers the number of requests that are actually made full, all the way over to Airtable, so it's a little better for performance. Um, so this is all the non-Airtable side of things. This is what users see. But what's happening behind the scenes, we'll look at Airtable stuff, because it's this is what we're in here for. Yeah. Um, these are all the conferences that I've collected. So there's 1,104 that I've collected in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, and if we kind of expand one of these records, you see the name of the conference, the event URL, the CFP URL. And what I've got do happening, initially it started off, there's a, a Zap that I built. So Zapier is another cool tool for building automation without a lot of developer work. And um, there was a Zap I built that sort of collected conferences from a few key places, as well as uh, you know, we got them on Twitter. Also, wherever I could find them, and put them all into this Airtable. And so it would add this data. And then I, I started to add some more zaps that would add more um, data onto, onto it. So for example, now I've got an icon for every conference, and that kind of makes it a little more visual. Also, the conferences often will have a location as a plain string, and I will go parse it using another API um, and turn it into actual structured data. So this tells us the region is Americas and North America. So that way, um, people can go see all the conferences in uh, North America rather than just all the conferences in the world, which is useful for most speakers. Right. Um, yeah, so this is all the conference data, and then there's some category data that also lives in Airtable. And so these are the sort of key um, areas of conferences that right now I focus on in CFP land. And so if you look at these, and so the you can see all the conferences that go to each um, each category. What's really helpful about using Airtable as a backend like this is that I don't have to go log into a database and try to write the SQL queries to fix things when things go wrong. Because inevitably what happens is uh, some of the data I collect for a conference is out of date or the uh, due date gets changed or the link gets changed or something happens. And what I actually implemented recently was that if I'm a user, I can report an issue with a conference and people will log in, like, a lot of people do this, and they'll report problems with the conferences they see, and then I'll go fix them in Airtable manually, because it's only a few requests a week, so I can handle doing it. Mm -hmm. But Airtable makes it really easy to do that. Um, so that's kind of the highlights here. Again, like a lot of the user data and the other supplementary data that's happening over on this side of the site is stored in my database, whereas the sort of core conference data lives in Airtable. Again, for the ease of, of editing, as well as just the... Um, it was already set up that way, so I didn't want to have to migrate everything over to a database. Right, of course. That is super cool. I'm really interested in the zap that you talked about with, like, so you, you did you set it up like with a webhook to go crawl certain sites and pull that data when it was new? Yeah, so I've written, some, so some of the stuff I've moved from zaps to scripts because mm -hmm. it's happening at such a scale now where Zapier would charge me quite a lot of money, so it started yeah. to make more sense to write the code myself. But we actually do a lot, even at my work with Zapier, where um, when we either want to hook up something from our web application to a third-party API, we'll go through Zapier because Zapier will take care of retries 
it'll take care of like queuing and, and sort of um, make sure that we don't lose track of individual requests. Um, but for the case of CFP land, what was happening was um, I had a little bit of custom JavaScript code that I'd written that would grab some conference data from one place and then a couple other similar pieces of code and like uh, APIs that I would hit to grab conference data. So I had a Zap that would run like say every day because they have like a scheduling ability. So you could basically run what feels like a, to a developer a cron job in mm -hmm. Zapier. And so um, I'd run these cron jobs in Zapier and every day it would go get all the conferences from this list and then it would actually like try to cross-reference them with the existing items in Airtable to make sure I don't get too many duplicates. Right. Uh, and then it'll save them in there. I still actually run into times where there's duplicates that get created. And so I do fix those manually every now and then. But again, with the volume of data we're talking about, it's like a few thousand or it's like a thousand conferences over a year. It's not so much that I can't handle it manually. Right. Absolutely. No, that's great. I've been really interested in trying to like learn more about setting up zaps such as that. Yeah, Zapier is amazing. Let's see if I can if I've got anything good pulled up on Zapier. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm I use it for everything, but I've been trying to make it stretch to a point where I'm not sure if I can do it anymore. Yeah. Well, we you can do some pretty cool stuff, especially now lately they've added things to where you can write custom Python or JavaScript code. Right. So if you're a developer or you have just like you don't even have to be a real developer, you just have to kind of know enough code to be dangerous. Yeah. You can do some pretty cool stuff. Um, it, one that's pretty involved that I have is every day I collect some KPIs, which are key performance indicators for CFP land. And mm -hmm. I hate doing this stuff manually. Like I don't have time and I am lazy. So um, the way that I do it is I, uh, oh, actually it's uh, this one. Yeah, so every day there's like this, the start of the zap is like, what's the trigger? So the trigger is every day and then I do this, I go to, um, and this is actually going to Google Analytics and grabbing all the users that came in for that day. So one of my key performance indicators is how many users came to the site last day. Uh, the next one I do is I hit a webhook that gets me the number of followers I have on Twitter. So this is just an API call to Twitter. The next one is I get all the people subscribed to my MailChimp list. That's another API call to MailChimp. Um, and then I just like dump all this uh, into uh, an Airtable base. And then every day I have it email me like, what my summary is so that way I don't even have to go to Airtable but I could have gone. That's awesome and then you can track it all too with have you been playing with blocks at all or chart? Yeah blocks? a little bit um, so I remember early on when they were in beta I tried them uh, a few times for me um, well it's just me so setting up a dashboard is a little bit like redundant I don't need that that fancy stuff yet but there are some times when like blocks I've seen people use the map block for some really cool things mm -hmm. um, you can embed it on site and see how all your records play out across the map so there's some cool stuff there yeah absolutely definitely no that's super cool thanks so much for sharing that yeah. so, uh, can I go back to your air table for one second yeah one question the so the categories tab or table is that what will show up on the website with the, the little hashtag? Yep, exactly. So this hashtag JavaScript thing is like the JavaScript category. Okay. And it maps over to, to this one. Yeah, that's really nicely laid out and super cool. You built a tool to work for your needs and that you are able to share it with other people that love what you do as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. With any side project, I feel like... Um, it's fun to build stuff for yourself, but it's fun when something you build for yourself can also work for and improve other people's 
experience or life or whatever on the internet. Uh, I think that's a big motivator for me. Uh, one thing I realized, this is the first side project I've built that had like any significant number of users. And so I have about 1,500 email subscribers and maybe 100 or so like users who, who log in to the pro platform. And um, it's just the ability to get feedback from people and on a relatively like consistent basis and know that they're actually using it and look at the database and see the numbers change and go up. And it's just really fun. So it adds a lot to the experience as a developer from just building things for yourself just for the heck of it. Awesome. That's yeah. so cool. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? What, where can people go to see you speak? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? My wife and I just had a baby seven weeks ago. So Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I, I am taking a little bit of a hiatus from speaking, which is uh, to be, you know, have plenty of time to spend at home and get to see him uh, grow up a bit before I'm off on the road more. But uh, towards the middle of next year, I've got um, a talk at a uh, conference called Developer First um, in uh, Minneapolis, I believe. I think that's right. Um, Minneapolis. And so I will be out back on the road a little bit. And um, you, otherwise, you can go to CFP Land and sign up. Uh, and if you're interested in speaking at all, or there's a Twitter account for CFP land, you can also look up if you'd rather follow there. And, uh, I'm on Twitter as well at Carl L Hughes. Awesome. Great. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. Cool. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Carl. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Allie. Talk to you soon. Definitely. Have a great day. All right. Bye.